On this episode of Of Mechs and Men, Andy and Crayon do their best buddy cop impression. Quintus wakes up Hans to talk about rabbits. Ridzik's dinner plans blow up, all while Michael flees New Sirtis just to find out Sion is a real headache. This is Of Mechs and Men, a Battletech book club. I am Kanan Hill, joined as usual by my two good friends, Brent. It is I, Brent. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. How we doing, boys? Well, I'm not a Redburn on vacation, so I'm doing okay. Well, that's good, because this week we're covering chapters 49 through the end of the book we've been working through. Warrior, repost by Michael A. Stackpole. Let's get into it. Chapter 49. So, we are on Algot in the Capellan March. It is the 14th of January, and Andy is sitting in his room, reading a book, minding his own business, when he is interrupted by one Robert Crayon knocking on his door. Okay, that's how the chapter starts. A little knock-knock. I did think, again, this mirrors the beginning of the trilogy. Remember when like Justin's in his office with Robert and then Andy like knocks on the door, (laughs) right? I think it's Robert knocks first. And then I just thought we've seen this before, like with these characters. Yeah. Only Um, it was Andy was the one knocking and Justin was the one sitting and it was about Cran. And now everyone's moved one position over. Yeah. So why is Robert here? Well, Robert is here because he's been picking up some weird vibes lately right and he wants to talk to andy about it turns out cran's the kind of guy that pays attention now yeah i imagine getting your ass beat because you don't know what's going on does that to a man you gave him his walking papers (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he comes in plops down on the couch and now they are this isn't actually and I, i wanted to point out because when i when i first read it i visualized an office and then i realized no no It's his room, okay? This isn't like his office. They're in a Quan set, right? We've seen that before. I love Mm -hmm. this word. So right away, Andy assumes that this is probably about how the Davian light guards treat them a little different, right? And also, they're still mad about that time that Delta Company had to come rescue them, remember? They're still a little sore about it. (laughs) But no, listen, Robert knows those guys suck, and he's gotten used to it by now. Right. That's what this says. And uh, he seems so nervous. And he tells the kid, right, man, you got to relax. We're on R&R right now. It's fine. It's fine. Just chill out. It's OK. Why are you so tense? You're so tense. Cran doesn't think so, though. He's got a bad feeling. I mean, he literally says it feels like something's about to pop off. Right. He's like, you know, that feeling when when stuff pops off. I got that feeling. I do like they kind of say out loud kind of the difference between Delta Company and the Davian Guards. And uh, I can't remember if we talked about this previously, but they didn't go to the academy, right? Or any academy. They literally were trained in the field. Now, Andy, of course, went to an academy, and so did Justin. But uh, the unit as a whole did not. You know, we literally saw them doing their training in literally the first book. Right. That's what he says. They're not going to take well to half-trained recruits from the Capellan March. They don't respect them, although they should. Man, after all this time, they're still kind of turning their noses up at him. It's like, come on, have they not proven themselves? Remember the Goliaths? <laughs> Remember the Marauders? <laughs> Come on. Don't forget about the uh, cicadas and the riflemen. Well, I guess the yeah. rifleman doesn't count, but the cicadas. They fought a bunch of cicadas in uh, their little stingers. Now, yeah, Robert's got a weird feeling. I do like, as the reader, due to the benefit of a third-person omniscience, we can see that Andy also has a weird feeling. He refuses to admit it at this point. That's This whole conversation is him kind of lying to himself. So... Andy uh, tries his best to talk him through it, right? Let's do the mentor thing. Kind of puts his elbows on his knees, kind of does like the lean forward, steeples the fingers. All right, let's talk about this. All right, so you got a gut feeling. Based on what exactly, right? (laughs) Let's talk through it. Well, 
For one, they won't let them off base. Okay, they're not allowed to go anywhere. That is a bit strange for R&R, but I wouldn't say that's too crazy depending on where they're located, the inhabitants of the world, and how they would feel about uh, Davion troops. Yeah, during active wartime, especially. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the biggest red flag. Yeah, exactly. I do love how in that, Robert hits him with, what if I wanted to go hiking? Hit up some sweet mountains on this planet. And then he's like, don't worry, there's no mountains here. You don't have to worry about it. (laughs) And Robert's like, it's just an example. Hold on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Andy shoots that down. Because, exactly, standard operating procedures, okay? They need us close by. It's still a war, after all, okay? This, you know, this is the fourth succession war. They can't just have us off in the mountains somewhere. We got to be near our mechs. We got to be ready to roll, just in case. Now, Robert brings up a good point here. If they needed them ready to jump, why not just keep them on a dropship up at the jump point? Even Andy admits he's kind of got a good point there. But that's still not really cause for alarm, <laughs> right? <laughs> This one's a little bit, you could say maybe it's because, yeah, no, I got nothing. (laughs) Neither did Andy. We're going to give you guys a little vacation, but you can't leave your room, okay? Don't worry about it. Also, there's another thing, though. Perhaps most suspiciously, the unit hasn't received any mail whatsoever. No mail, nothing. And turns out, Robert talked to the lady in base ops, and she said that the records indicate that Delta Company and the rest of the DLG is still on St. Andre, okay? Not only that, but the other unit here on base, here with them, the 12th Vegan Rangers. I'm pretty sure it's vegan. Good point. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, but they're also listed as being off-world, right? So technically, like none of the units present are actually, according to the records, supposed to be here. However, don't worry about it, right? Because, uh, The lady at the office, she told me not to worry about it. She said it's fine because uh, the computers are always several months behind anyway, right? (laughs) This is normal. They're never up to date. That's why you got to read the faxes. And I'm like, faxes? What faxes? You know, the faxes. Those papers, the mysterious courier delivers, the ones where supposed to burn afterwards. You don't know about the papers, Andy? (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, what? What'd you say? (laughs) She's like, yeah. The lady told me this mysterious courier delivers these papers. We read them and then burn them. You pick them up in the faxes, Dan. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we can raise a red flag here. (laughs) After all. Progressively more concerned. (laughs) Conversation. He's like, wait a minute. I do think we get to give a moment of Stackpole credit here to be able to call out the like, death of the fax machine way before the time he's like in the future when people hear fax machine they're gonna go what's that and he's right he just gave it another thousand years before that would actually happen remember retro 80s futurism yeah also for those of you wondering what a fax machine are you know maybe the younger crowd out there (laughs) it's a telephone that sends paperwork heck yeah it's true (laughs) (laughs) before we started recording we had to have a conversation about how do faxes work because (laughs) none of us were super sure (laughs) speaking of i meant to point out that at the beginning andy he he isn't reading a physical book he 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 has like a kindle he has like an e-reader that's what it says he's like reading on his little on his like tablet we're sure to get that amazon advertising now yeah (laughs) he's got an epub Right, <laughs> Catalyst Game Lab store. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get those, those EPUBs. I love them. All right. Also, this is interesting. Uh, speaking of computer errors, according to the records, the warehouses on base, the ones that are full of mechs, you know, you won't believe this. They're actually listed as being full of supplies and spare parts <laughs> with only a small infantry detail to guard them. How funny is that? I want you guys to think back to our last Comstar discussion. You guys, the readers, everyone here, right? If you're starting to piece that you kind of reverse engineer, which is kind of what Stackpole's feeding you here. He's like, oh, the Fox is outplaying everyone again. Yeah. Yeah. I had that exact thought as I was reading through it of like, this is what Hans was talking about when he mentioned 
don't cover our weaknesses too much. Yeah. <laughs> and you realize the weakness is filled with mechs. Right. Now, boys, I don't know about you, but it would seem to me that this base would look like the tastiest of treats to anyone with network access. Yeah, someone like hmm. Justin. Right. Hmm. So now, Andy's got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Thanks, Cran. You ruined the r and yeah. <laughs> I like this line. Andy's jaw dropped. Those idiots, if the mass Gromka has spies able to tap into the base computer, this place will look like a quiller ripe for the plucking. Shout out to Quiller. <laughs> I do like how this chapter starts off with Andy ready to like fight Crayon's nerves like tooth and nail. Like, no, I'm going to get you chill with me here. And almost immediately he's like, nah, let this man cook what you got. Yeah. I do like that Andy doesn't get this one. He like understands that it's a juicy Quiller ripe for the plucking. However, he doesn't understand that that's the point. Yeah. Or maybe he chooses to not believe he's the bait, but uh, Andy, you're bait. It's just like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> and also point to Andy to not completely dismiss Crayon here. Like, he I agree. out and he listens to him. And I think that's a huge mark in the good leader category for him. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I was just giving our boy a hard time. Oh, we have to any chance we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree. Yeah. Andy heard him out. A good leader is the guy who make at the end of the day, he uses his best people to make the best decision. He's just some guy deciding things to do. Anyway, more on that later throughout the rest of these episodes on these various books over a long period of time in which we'll be reviewing all of them in their entirety. Heck yeah. Oh man, forever. <laughs> so... Right. Andy says a thing about the quiller right for the plucking. Crayon's like, yeah, man, that's why I got this gut feeling. And I'll just let the text speak for itself here. The loud, bone-rattling scream of a mech raid warning, Klaxon, obliterated Andrew's reply. Obliterated. It's just as soon as Andy's like, maybe you're onto something, it's like, like, raid alert, raid alert. And, now, yes. this, this moment is what I feel like Stackpole setting up a great tension moment, but yeah. I just started busting out laughing. As soon as I read Claxon, I was like, yeah. this is the most Andy chapter of Andy yeah. chapters. It's so funny. He's just reading a book. Oh, I disagree with you. I, I think at this point, I think Stackpole absolutely meant for this to be comedic. <laughs> I, yeah. Cause that's how I, yeah, seeing it. It's just every time Andy does anything, remotely like for personal time yeah. <laughs> something's trying to kill him yes. yeah indy really is up there with the likes of mccain riggs and murtaugh with their luck on their days off yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i'm not even supposed to be yeah. here today yeah. sorry boys <laughs> vacation's canceled <laughs> pool's closed <laughs> the alarm goes off and uh i guess we gotta suit up i like we Immediately, hard cut to a shot of Andy in the scent, blowing the leg off a Capellan Vindicator. Hell right? yeah. It's just straight to like, boom. You love and, to oh, see the it. Vindicator's like midair. It's like in mid-flight and he like, pfft, like blows the leg off and it slams into the ground. It's sick. It's a cool shot. We got Andy um, back in the Centurion. So no new mech for him. So when I said it's the most Andy chapter, I guess I misspoke. <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean, it's just, it, it goes straight from them in the room, the alarm going off into this battle scene. Get cut straight to a battle scene. They're being raided by the Capellans who were apparently just expecting a small infantry contingent and instead have run into the Davian Light Guards and the 12th Vagan Rangers, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a bad day for the Capellans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> another that's one. Tough. Yeah, <laughs> days since bad days gone by yeah. zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we go into a battle scene. I do. I like this bit where a Griffin point blanks Andy with the PPC. He hits back with the auto cannon, and you think it's gonna be like this duel scene, but then the Valkyries roll up and they just LRM this thing into a dumpster. I mean, it's just. <laughs> it's just that's is that reductionist? Yes, it's not yeah. part of the truth. <laughs> I do like how at the end of this, the most dangerous part of this griffin is that its arm flies off and nearly takes out a Jenner. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, the arm goes flying. Griffins in these books have not gotten the best. Well, in the Grey Death trilogy, we got some griffins that were really holding their own, but they have not been the scariest in the Warrior trilogy here. Yeah, I like the griffin pilot just gets crushed by LRMs and he just ejects. As soon as the smoke clears, he's just like, I'm out. (laughs) Just like (laughs) the chair shootout. Shout out to the Valkyries. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, the it's, it's it's like not very long. It's just them destroying these Capellans. And then Andy reports, the scanners are clear. We're clean. We're good. Our sector, our sector is clean. We got them, boys. Good job. Oh, Andy didn't even get to death from above anyone in this battle. No. Well, that's no, why he's still in the Centurion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he, they gave him no jump jets for a reason. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No more jump jets for this man. It's on his service file. The computers even got that updated. Yeah. In it. Oh, this is where Crayon radios in to report that Colonel Stone messaged them because it seems like they're having some trouble over in Charlie's sector and the Colonel would be honored if he could get a little help here. You know what I'm saying? A little help. Please help us. <laughs> I did like this little line because we have talked so many times in these books about Andy's unit not really getting any respect. Yeah. And this one, like the last time Stone radio in, he's just like, nope, don't take any part of this. And Andy's like, ignore it. Don't worry. But this time it's like, come on, boys. We welcome you in. I We've kind of talked about it each time. The colonel isn't necessarily the guy dogging on Andy. It's kind of his dude's that aren't yeah. very accepting of him. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, here they come to the rescue. I'm sure that'll burn tomorrow. <laughs> and that's basically how it ends. I mean, the chapter ends with Andy ordering Delta Company to demonstrate for the Capellans what a real Davian guard unit looks like. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One invitation, yeah. Andy's like, we're it, boys. Yeah, dude. We're, the, yeah. we're the real ones. Yeah. To quote Do the you know Daywalker, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> yeah, <dude>. <laughs> <laughs> it's an all-timer there that one's for you bud thank you snipes. <laughs> it's funny but it also we get a little peek into how this whole trap is working right that hans has cooked the books so that these storehouses look basically unguarded yeah but uh they're not surprise they're not <laughs> man the storehouses right that was that whole thing is that uh Justin and Sen Chong, they had that whole plan. They were going to raid the storehouses. So this is, oh, right. This is all God. I, I think they even said that that, that, that that was one of the worlds that they were going to raid. Man, yeah. that's tough. And this is the original plan they had kind of gotten from Ridzik. Ridzik's like, we can cut off the supply lines. And then Justin's like, hold on. That's not the worst plan. But what if we add a little something to it? Yeah. <laughs> so spice. The if they had stuff. just gone with Ridzik's plan as is, they would have committed all these resources that they talked about, and yeah. it would have guaranteed failed. It might yes. have been over there for the Capellans, at least on the Federated Sons side of things. You know what? Oh, yeah. Speaking of Axton, right? Because that is the planet that Justin wanted to read. Uh, I, I like early in this chapter when Crayon's complaining, Andrew tells him, you listen, I know that all God isn't the Axton Riviera. But, uh, you know, it's not that bad. I thought this. Oh, so Axton's like nice. They have like a casino there. Nice hotel. Probably. I thought that was interesting. I was like, okay, Axton Riviera. All right. Possibly hidden mech facilities. Yeah. Potential NIS research facilities. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. So the storehouses actually heavily guarded and they're using these faxes, right? That's, that's the big part. This is that, that's that whole thing where he has the secondary communication network, right? That way he doesn't have to use the HPGs. He already has this whole infrastructure in place for communication. And it's all bar burn after reading. Good movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's slick. It's the Fox dude. He foxed him. (laughs) He foxed him hard. So I know Hans must be pleased. (laughs) But we'll have to find out how Hans does react to the good news in the next chapter. Chapter 50. We are back on New Avalon, 20th of January, and we open with a sleepy Hans Davian in a robe. All right. He has been woken up 
by Quintus Aller, and he's very sorry, but it is important. Okay. <laughs> you think he's got like a coffee cup? You know, I feel like he's you know, standing there. I, I like to think that Quintus brought him some coffee. Totally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Quintus seems like the kind of friend that, that would be proactive there on the coffee front. Yeah. So, of course, right away, Hans is worried that was there a problem with the trap? He's worried about the plan. Did something go wrong? And uh, no, no. Uh, the trap worked great, actually. You do. Yeah, we killed him. We crushed him. However, there was a little hiccup. The Capellans raided Axton and made off with some supplies and stuff, I guess. But other than that, uh, we're looking pretty good. It worked well. Also, Quintus mentions that that little piece of business on Elgin is proceeding very nicely. Now, if you remember, that's where they ordered that Maskrovka assassin. Justin, the, uh, you know, Judas retribution was, you know, I want a termination technician, preferably female, preferably on Elgin. So apparently Hans has some business going on Elgin as well. You know, what, what are the chances? Yeah. Oh, Hans does ask about Northwind here, right? What's going on with Northwind? Well, Quintus informs him that the Highlanders arrived in time to kick the fifth sword off world. I think they did take some losses. Yes, the first currently Highlanders got ripped up, but they pushed the sword off world. So that's cool. And Team Bonsai is on their way back to New Avalon. All right. The good doctor himself is going to undergo medical treatment at the NAIS. The doctor's going to go see the doctor. Yeah. Bonsai lives. Dr. Bonsai. He's okay. <laughs> He's coming home. We technically knew he lives because he was writing the uh, Atlas. Yeah, that's true. He wrote the book. He wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bradley's Bravos, however, stayed behind because Major Bradley says he got a contract and he means to fulfill it, right? They didn't escape. They stayed there and held them off. Hans is impressed. Really, he's like, nice. This is where he brings up, I think he's like, Oh, Bradley's Bravos, weren't they a part of the Kellhounds? And Quintus tells him, yeah, they're 3rd Mech Battalion, as we previously established. And so um, Hans decides that for their service, one, they can have all the salvage they want, okay? Open salvage, whatever is available, they can use it, they can rebuild themselves. I won't even, you know, we'll take whatever's left over, they can have it. So that's cool. And they will be transferred back to the Kellhounds shortly. I think he says in like a week or so. This is especially generous. I mean, yeah. yes. man, people need to wake Hans up in the middle of the night more often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to move him over to the Kellhounds. So, so they're going to be able to rejoin Bradley and the guys can go, uh, you know, they can go hang out with the Kellhounds. This is awesome. I do like how at the final statement of that, he says, we'll send to rejoin the Kellhounds wherever they are. <laughs> and that made me think, like, oh, is Hans not aware that they hit the Ginyosha home planet? Oh, that'd be funny. He was technically working for the Archons, so it wouldn't be unusual for that info to be a little out of pocket for him. Yeah, it just, it seems yeah. like Hans has had his finger on the pulse of everything major happening. And I for know sure. the Kelhounds kind of went in the dark to go hit Nashira. But I, to me, it was just surprising that they managed to pull that off without Hans picking it up. Morgan Gell going dark. <laughs> Set the hounds loose. I just, you know. Who let the hounds like, out? Yeah, dude, Who? Bradley from, you know, from the wedding. Remember that guy? He made it through and he's getting built back up. Kell hounds come out on top. So this will catch up on the war effort. It's cool. But Hans figures that that's not actually what Quintus woke him up for, right? Which is true because... Quintus has actually come to tell the first prince that, quote, the rabbit bolted from his hutch, right? That's what he says. I like to think that this was a brevity code that they were using and yeah. not just a weird reference that I don't get. Rabbit bolted from the hutch. And uh, <laughs> Hans is very happy to hear this. Very happy. And he demands that Quintus give him the details. What happened? Why'd the rabbit bolt? Well, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> so first, they arrested Serge Corrigan. Remember the Capellan ambassador on New Sirtis? So they had Corrigan arrested. They threw him in his dropship and told him to go back where he came from. And then they wiped all the junk data from Michael's database, allowing the Duke to finally behold actual military intelligence. All right. After seeing this, Michael dipped. 
he is gone. He fled, <laughs> apparently. And so that's what this is all about. Michael has absconded from New Sirtis and has gone elsewhere. They think that he linked up with the ambassador, right? Like linked up with his jump ship and, uh, you know, most likely caught a ride back to Sion because he now realizes that the Capellan war effort is doomed, right? That all that information he's been feeding them is <laughs> false and that... Yeah. Nothing is where he said it was. Panic. <laughs> yeah, he realized now his head's on the chopping block in Capellan's face. Yeah, so they smoked him out. This was it. Yeah. So, you know, he does what anyone would do in his position. He goes to Capellan's space. <laughs> yep. I wonder if the bug on the dog helped with this arrest and set this whole plan in motion. I, I do hope the dog's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if the dog, uh, you know, I wonder if Serge took the dog with him or, you know, yeah. if they found a nice family for him. Good hunting dog. <laughs> Makes you wonder what the hunting's like on New Sirtis. You think they're, uh, you know, you think they're hunting like raptors? Oh, man. Maybe. I don't, I, I gotta read, I laugh, but the, yeah, what, well, you know, what's the fauna situation? Yeah. I'm sure that there's some good documentation on New Sirtis. Good point. I'll have to look. I, I, I'm not familiar with it offhand either, obviously. I'm sure there's not raptors, though. I mean, maybe. Michael Turok, Davian. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the whole, uh, you know, rabbit bolt from his hutch. They smoked him out, right? Michael ran. This is it. This is the smoking gun. This is the, uh, oh, okay. So he's definitely colluding, right? I mean, we knew he was colluding, but I mean, come on. Michael was very careful all the way through, and this is the slip up they've been waiting for. Be like, now we have proof. Exactly. It's funny because Hans is both delighted and disappointed at the same time because remember they didn't have any solid evidence of michael's collusion he gave himself away right if he had come to new avalon instead of running to sion they could have worked together hans would have welcomed him up until this point hans admits that i would have still taken him back but he chose another path instead. allegedly <laughs> yeah yeah hans thinks this and i was like is that true <laughs> that's a statement that he can say now yeah <laughs> no i think any scrupulous battle tech fans should should be wary on whether hans actually meant that or not so quintus estimates that duke michael should get to see on probably around the middle of february which that's the same time that max liel should be receiving word that his Operation Repost has been a disastrous failure. So that's nice. That's a nice little coincidence of timing. How fun is that? Nice little gift. Yeah, exactly. Max will be in a great <laughs> mood to receive him. Yeah. Because Max is always in a good mood, especially now. I mean, that's the whole bit. The chapter ends with Hans hoping that Max will appreciate his Valentine's gift. <laughs> that's what he says. He's like, oh, middle of February. A little sum for you, Max. Love's in the air. Some chocolates. But yeah, Michael fled. He's gone. The Duke of New Sirtis has left New Sirtis, fled in the middle of the night, has run to his buddies on Sion. Allegedly. I do like how all of this setup for Michael has been like he's got plots. He's got schemes going on. Is he going to be a critical wound in Hans Davian's side during an important moment of the novel? And that's what I spent this whole book thinking about. And then for it just to kind of unravel in front of him. Yeah. And Michael kind of being let out with a whimper instead of like a big bang moment in the story. Yeah. I thought was so fitting. It's Kanan. It just Me goes too. back to what you were talking about in the wedding where we were talking about all the important members of the inner sphere getting their moment of highlight in the chapter. And then Michael's not even mentioned. And you're like, it feels the same thing here of like all of this has been going down this whole war effort. Michael's had all these huge plans and then essentially caves in at the first sign of struggle in his plan. You know, I yeah. might have mentioned burn after reading a little too soon because it's just like, it's like, oh, the problem just solved itself. Right. We're the like CIA directors. Like, so what did we learn from all this? I'll be honest with you. I don't think the problem solved itself. I think Hans Davy <laughs> solved the problem. Yeah. He arrested one person <laughs> near Michael and Michael's like, Oh, time to go. <laughs> 
Get the go-pack. Yeah. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. I guess you learned not to do it again. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. That's kind of how the end of the scene feels. You know, I guess Max is going to get a nice Valentine's gift. <laughs> yeah. I do love how they don't even talk about, like, what actions do we take about this? Like, Michael's leaving. What do we do? It's just unspoken. It's like, well, Max can enjoy his Valentine's Day gift. They understand what's happened. It's like the only person who's out of the loop on all sides here is Michael. Yeah, but like you were saying, it is so funny how inconsequential Michael Hasek Davian has been to the plot, right? Andrew Redburn has been more <laughs> consequential. The man's borderline Forrest Gump <laughs> and throughout this. I couldn't stop thinking about that. Like after <laughs> finishing this book, I was like, Andy Redburn is the Forrest Gump of Battletech here. He's a guy that has just shown up at almost every major event for the fourth succession war kickoff despite not belonging really no. at all <laughs> he killed a couple his, cicadas yeah his whole thing he's like i, I just want to like ride in spiders like with my bros <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I just want to read this book yeah you know? he's like i've been trying to read this book for like eight months <laughs> and, and then somebody comes up to him and it's like andy i think we're in trouble and he's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> are we though again yeah. yeah i gotta start blasting <laughs> never eat dinner with a red burn well we learned that you never eat dinner with a red burn but we'll have to find out who you should also never eat dinner with in the next chapter Chapter 51. We're on Elgin in the Tikhonov commonality that's in the Capellan Confederation, as you should know by now. It is the 2nd of February, and Colonel Ridzik is on a date, right? That's how this starts. They're at like a nice restaurant, <laughs> right? There's like a waiter. They're enjoying a nice dinner, or I think they've just finished enjoying a nice dinner. Yep. And he's on a date with someone that is not Max Liao's wife. Correct. Oh, so he's uh, diversifying his portfolio. (laughs) I think that's what they call it. That's exactly right. Known womanizer, I believe he was, has been described as. So uh, when the chapter opens, the colonel's date has just left the table, uh, but she should be back shortly, right? So he's just sitting at this table in this restaurant and you're like, all right. The colonel is sulking because his plan for saving the commonality was rejected by the chancellor, right? You know, sequence is a choice. Sorry. Yeah, especially a, a thousand years from now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, you still got the sequence going. Cool, cool. I feel like we could do better than sequence, but I guess. Taken off. Taken off. We are in Capellan space. It's an economic powerhouse, Bren. <laughs> For the Capellans. <laughs> <laughs> For now. <laughs> right. So. We get this shot of Ridzik, okay? He's like swirling the brandy snifter, just kind of ruminating. He's thinking about killing Max and marrying Candace. That's what this says. <laughs> you know, maybe Max isn't so crazy after all. <laughs> yeah. No, here's the- there is a moment where he has an inner monologue that proves the insane ramblings of Max Valid when he's like, maybe I should just separate with the Tikhonov commonality. And then I'll just kill Max, marry his daughter, yeah. make truce with Hans Davion, and it'll all be over. Mary- That's what's so heartbreaking, is that the Chancellor was right. Yes. <laughs> but also, maybe he should get a better guy at HR. Like, why is, yeah. like, everyone he's working for trying to, like, dethrone him? <laughs> yeah. Well, the hiring practices. One or two assassination plots against you. Maybe it's them. Every one of them? Maybe it's you. Yeah. Literally everyone, dude? It's like Tay Sway. Wait, is that, wait, is that Taylor Swift? Is that yes. what that means? Yes, yes, Oh, is everyone trying to assassinate her? No, no, no. There's a, there's a common joke. A lot of her songs are about breakups, and she's had, she's gone through a lot of boyfriends. It's a multi-layer. Taylor Swift's the problem in the relationship. 
Right, right, right. Kind of like Max Liao is I get it. the problem yep. for the Capellan Confederation. Yeah. Taysway. Look at that. Look at me in pop culture, cult- man. Pop culture. Look at that. Maybe I'm 20 something after all. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just imagining the chant with the, you know, what's the, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> the Maximilian Liao dance number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I bet Max Liao absolutely loves karaoke. Dude. Now that's Takashi's joint. <laughs> yeah, dude. Takashi dude with the jet with with like the yeah, with like the lines with like the yellow he's hit, like the gun. He's hitting the, the break in the world, breaking the law. Yeah. What's with you guys? That's the <laughs> Oh, is this a Yakuza Zero? This is <laughs> Absolutely. Takashi and Indahar. (laughs) That's what I saw. It's just like the beginning of Yakuza 0. Okay, so this is where the head waiter approaches, all right, and informs the colonel that there is a call for him. So Ridzik, now uh, irritated from the interruption, he makes his way to the nearest visiphone. All right, we got a visiphone near the entrance. I just imagine like a payphone, but with like a little screen on it. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's yeah. like what Professor Oak uses in uh, Pokemon. Right. Yeah. We've seen. I've seen this in other like sci-fi interpretations. Right. Like payphones with screens on them. Total Recall. I think they do it in there, don't they? Yeah. It really yeah. goes to show you like that moment of like technology drift, where it's like at that time, cell phones were still like inconceivable as like daily tech. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. how do payphones advance in tech? And it's like they add television screens to them, which at the time I'm sure seemed perfectly practical. Who thought you'd have like palm sized computers in your pocket? That'd be so tight. I mean, here's the thing though, like depending on the planet and like it's, it's kind of tech level, even in Battletech, some kind of pay or community phone still kind of makes sense. Like unironically retro eighties, Futurism aside, if Trellwan was like, oh, we've got these like community phones like strung up around the city, I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. So Colonel checks the visiphone. Ridzik checks the visiphone near the entrance. However, when he gets there, right, no one's on the other end. The screen is blank. There is no call. Was there even a call in the first place? He's just getting more angry, right? He's already been interrupted. There's a phone call, but there is no phone call. Mm. What is this? So this is where two men approach the colonel from behind and ask him to come with them. It's been a hot minute since we had a goon scene. Yes. <laughs> I love these guys. And of course, the colonel wants to know what this is all about, right? Who are you guys? No, I'm not going with you. What is this? But these two guys insist, please, there's no time to explain. They do point out, though, they're like, sir, your date left her purse on the table. Okay. And he's like, all right. And they don't even, they literally lift him off his feet and carry (laughs) him out the door. Right. They just grab him and carry him away. I think that's uh, the colloquial term for that is yoinked. Yeah. They yoink him. They yoink him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they make it halfway up the street before the restaurant literally explodes. Right. Shattering glass everywhere. It's like this huge explosion. All three men get knocked to the ground. It was a bomb. It was a hit. Dude, she was the termination technician. Listen, I know that it was done for the tension of the scene, but the guys could have totally just been like, there's a bomb, sir. You should come with us. Yeah. Nah. I need my goon <laughs> scenes to have like, look, there's a purse over there. He's like, huh? And then you like. Right. So, restaurant explodes. Ridzik gazes back into the inferno raging behind him. And at this point declares that, oh, she must have been a Davian agent. And I like this. The two other men exchange brief laughter before informing the colonel that, no, sir. We're the Davian agents. <laughs> Which uh, I found immensely funny every time I read yes. this. It's yes. so funny. Like, no, no, Colonel. We're the Davian agents. No, sir. The other car. Yeah. She was Maskrovka. You got it backwards. <laughs> it's like they tell Ridzik that, listen, we have a ship waiting for you right now to take you back to the Federated Sons, and literally Hans Davian will explain everything to you, but we have to go. 
And uh, Riddick's like, I love this. Very good. You know, yeah. move on then. <laughs> you know, carry on this way. <laughs> All right. Wouldn't want to keep the prince waiting. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. It is. Uh, Riddick just that immediate, just like he's caught on. <laughs> He doesn't need to like ask a thousand questions. It's just like, yep, all right, yep, that was a bomb. That's that had a Max Liao stamp of approval on that to me. Uh, I'm going with you We're guys going. now. I do love right. that he's been around the block enough to know that that was yeah. absolutely enough time in Capellan space will do it to you. <laughs> You're out of time. So, and that's the chapter though. This would have been a chapter about Pavel Ridzik being assassinated but it's not it's about these two agents rescuing him from the assassin yoinking him they save him it doesn't work the assassin fails davian saves ridzik and then apparently takes him back to the federated sons and with that max liao's zero for two and <laughs> current plans he's approved right i mean yes the uh the vibes back on Sion have to be um atrocious Right. <laughs> At this point. Well, you know, I don't know how much he knows. That's what I mean. This is what Hans is saying. He's going to find out that the operation was a disaster. Michael's going to show up and be like, hey, uh, sorry. And then it's also we didn't get Ridzik. Right. This is <laughs> you got him. The Fox. Well, we'll have to find out how Max does take the news in the next chapter. Chapter 52. We are back on Sion, and it is the 14th of February, and this is the final chapter of the book, and it opens with Michael Hasek Davian entering the Chancellor's throne room. Oh, you know it's going to be a good time. Here we go, boys. This is it. Shout out to Han's timing estimation here. Spot on. Flawless. Yeah. I knew when this chapter opened that this was the last chapter of the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's got real last chapter energy. The boss music themes playing. Yeah. I like to think it's just like a long, like, kind of ominous tone. Yeah. Credits are about to roll. So, Duke Michael is here. Surprisingly, to the Duke, the Chancellor offers Michael uh, a respectful greeting, which is, uh, yes, something that Michael did not expect at all, right? He was expecting fire and brimstone, but instead they all seem happy to see him, question mark. Calm. Yeah, which is uh, scarier. Yeah, I think it's way worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, the Chancellor expresses to Michael that his visit is unexpected, but most welcome, right? Thank you so much for coming. St. Valentine's Day. This is great. And, of course, you know, Michael asks about Operation Repost. How's that operation going? That was a choice to lead yep. with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a bad <laughs> opener. <laughs> so, uh, you heard about Operation Repost? Y'all heard about this? Was Operation Repost a disaster? Yes. Right. <laughs> Is Max worried about it? No, of course not. It's fine. It's fine, right? He only lost forces that should have died already, honestly. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's yeah, what he says. Wheat from the shaft and whatnot, yeah. you know. Who wants more fighting forces? Yeah. yeah, they just get in the way after a while. If, they, if they're supposed to be dead, dead means dead. There's logistics. You got to yeah. feed them. You got to keep them training. Yeah. It's a fresh start on the whole military thing. It's just, uh... <laughs> so Michael, now looking relieved, it tells the chancellor that, hey, check it out. I brought some maps with me. All right, check out these maps. He's got all these papers, these maps, these plans. Apparently, he drew up some plans on the way over. Right. He thinks that they're going to really like what he's got cooked up. <laughs> he's very excited. So the chancellor's like, great, great. Spread them out. Spread them out on the floor. Right. Alexi, yeah. get those get, get those maps out and they just lay them out on the floor in the throne room. They're all bent over Michael's papers, just kind of uh, looking at him. It's just nuts. The whole time I'm reading this, I'm just like, oh, boy, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's like, The vibes are like insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like to think that Maximilian is like overly welcoming. Yes, yeah. yes. Let's see those plans. Please lay them out. Yeah. It, yeah. 
it has that like vibe of like when you're a kid and you broke something in the house or you uh-huh. obviously messed up something horrifically yes. and then your parents walked in and like continued their daily routine you're like maybe they don't care maybe i'm not in trouble yeah right and then you go to leave to leave the house or something and, <laughs> and they're, they're like, like oh uh, one more thing yeah yeah they hit you with the Columbo. Yeah. 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 And then you're like, I'm going to be in more trouble than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. 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 Because now you realize that that entire time was them giving you like amnesty to like fess up. Yeah. It's them realizing that you were a kid and they can't scream at you. So they're taking a breather. <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> they let you stew in it for a minute. <laughs> so we got some maps. We got some plans. What's going on? Michael, please explain it. So the idea is that Michael and Max would combine forces and attack Tychonoff. All right. Because apparently, according to uh, the reports, only the eighth Crucis Lancers are currently left on the world. Okay. Trust me on this. All right. And if they work together, they could capture this uh, important mech production facility. It's all, it's like this assault on Tykonov, okay? There's this facility, and they're going to work together, they're going to capture it. Obviously, he's going to need troops and support from the Chancellor, ships, jump ships, and whatnot, Sung's cuirassiers. I do like the Chancellor is watching the, him, like, explain it, and uh, he stops him, like, Oh, and uh, would this be all three battalions of the Curaciers or just one battalion? Like, oh, uh, well, you know, obviously I'd need the whole regiment. Hmm, yep. Yes, yes, of course, of course. If you get to my house about nine, you can pick us up, take yeah. us there, and we're good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The whole regiment, yes, I'd be happy. Uh, oh, and you would need my jump ships. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> the thing is, this isn't a bad idea, right? Like, combining their forces this would be a positive no. thing for for the Capellan assault. Yeah. This can actually work. Yeah. As long as like everything Michael had given the Chancellor up to now was good information, it was viable, and it wasn't all incorrect and wrong. Are you saying if that maybe if their relationship was built on trust, maybe even a little like brotherly love, that maybe this plan would have some legs? Yeah. Yeah. If Michael wasn't such a rat, <laughs> <laughs> things could be better for him. Yeah. yeah. But but the here's the thing is is that I would also argue things could be better for the Capellans as well. If you overall look at the relationships in the top ep- uh, echelon of leadership in both uh, the Capellans and the Davions, you know, here Brent goes again. <laughs> the uh, there's a big difference here. There's love in the Davion relationship, right? Like those guys are bound together by. It's yeah. not just loyalty for in the service to the nation of Davion. Those dudes are bros, right? And, are bros. Uh, and you find really no such thing amongst the Capellans. And you definitely don't see it with the turncoat that is Michael and the Capellans. The only little bit you see is with Justin in the people he's worked with and the people in the relationships he's cultivated with some of the saner factions within the Capellan Confederation. It may be a part of the problem. I'm still mad that he killed Gray Noden. <laughs> I mean, I know why he did it. He had to save Andy. Oh, come on. I mean, not like he was. Anyway, listen, Michael thinks that if everything goes to plan, then they should be able to strike around the 1st of April. All right. I do like the chancellor points out here the symbolic gesture implied by his use of the All Fools Day. Okay. He's like, interesting. First of April. Mm hmm. Why'd you pick that? Right. He points this out right before ordering Alexi to gather all the Duke's maps and burn them to ashes. Take them, <laughs> destroy them all, destroy them. And he, this is where he totally, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He was, this is absolutely, he was just letting him hang himself before he could just start shouting. This is where the yelling starts. Also, the uh, <laughs> Max is right. The origins of All Fool's Day is dubious. Uh, look it up if you're bored. Oh, interesting. So Michael's worked so hard on these maps, okay? <laughs> and now the Chancellor's telling his guys to grab them and burn them. 
He's freaking out. Michael tries to stop them. He's like, no, don't. And it's he goes to physically, but, you know, Justin just cracks him in the ribs, right? We get this little, <laughs> I think he, you know, Michael tries to take a swing on Justin and Justin just crushes this dude, right? He's always picking fights. Yeah. He's ready to throw down at any point. Yeah. Justin hits Michael in the ribs, breaks his ribs. Michael's like hunched over. What? Why? Why? I work so hard on those maps. They took do weeks. This? Yeah, weeks. Weeks to prepare. Man, Michael really can't read a room. No, yeah. this is Michael yeah. at his most tone deaf, where it's like they're burning the maps. He really should immediately start thinking of survival. And he's like, the weeks yeah. I spent on my maps. My maps. <laughs> it's like things have taken the turn, Michael. Right. This is where the chancellor exclaims that no one makes a fool of Maximilian Liao twice. <laughs> right you know everybody gets one apparently <laughs> but two i don't think so and I'm like max i've we've, we've seen, seen more yeah several we've people more make than... a fool of you more than he's done it a lot to himself yeah yeah but sure you know go off king because, you know, the chancellor he knows what's really going on because he has surmised that what this was really about was Michael would have used his own troops and equipment against him. Okay. He would have given him all the support and then Michael would have turned it right back around and used it to invade the Confederation. Right. Michael tries to explain. No, you don't understand. We were both betrayed by Hans. Don't you get it? Which is like, I'm like, I guess, I mean, I don't know if you like betrayed is the word. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He just, uh, he just arrested a Capellan ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's talking about the original bit where they, they were both in line to be first Lord. And then Hans kind of won it fair and square. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess he, you could call that betrayed. Yeah. Right. That's a new Sirtis betrayal is what yeah. we call that. <laughs> Michael's hitting him with the, like, I was playing both sides. I should have always come out on top. <laughs> but yeah, Max can't trust him though, right? That's exactly the thing. How can he trust a man who's been feeding him bad intel intentionally this whole time? Michael had bad intel based on bad intel. He was like cooking bad numbers and making them worse. Yeah. It probably looks like he was literally just making stuff up. <laughs> right. Yes. Like complete nonsense. <laughs> Justin, check the numbers, dude. They don't add up. The Duke has been lying to them. And now everyone knows it. And now you're here with your maps being like, give me a bunch of your dudes. No. It turns out playing both sides and lying to everyone isn't going to work in your favor. Yeah. And this is where Michael stabs his finger at Justin and starts yelling about, he's Quintus Allard's son. He's been planted here to deceive you. Don't listen to him. Man, not the move I'd make here. No. No. <laughs> no. He's like, I set him up. He's here. Yeah. Because yeah. of Quintus Allard, definitely not me. Yeah. It's like, dude, you were the one who like pushed for the trial. And <laughs> so, oh, I like at this point, Michael tries to get his hands on Justin again. So Justin blasts him again. <laughs> and uh, you, Michael goes tumbling onto the floor, like, oh, like just goes flying off, writhing and gasping for breath on the carpet, still croaking weakly with unintelligible accusations. So the chancellor explains to Michael that. What happened was Justin ordered a raid that directly contradicted information that Michael had provided, and it absolutely worked, okay? Hmm. Now- You have to think that during the scene, Alexi's just sitting there sweating buckets. <laughs> he's just like- I feel like you couldn't normally tell. He seems like the kind of guy that's always sweating a little bit. Yeah. yeah he's just like, <laughs> does Michael know- why I'm here? It is funny. Just like he's like standing right next to Justin, you know, just like exactly, just not saying anything, just nodding along. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's crazy. Justin's totally not a spy. <laughs> I, I can vouch for him. Yeah, this is where the Chancellor turns to Justin and requests that he execute the traitor. Justin pulls the Duke up by his braid and shoots him in the head. Wow. Justin kills Michael Hasek Davian right here in the throne room on Sion. That's what happens at the end of this book. It's very unceremonial in the way right. Michael just gets straight put down here. Like a dog, dude. I am surprised 
with how paranoid the chancellor is that he allows anyone to have a firearm in his chambers. But this is wild. Yeah. Also, the by the braid. That's a hell of a way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Shoots him like a dog, man. You're right. Like it's like like taking out the trash. It's so it's like shocking. Like yeah. all of a sudden this is going on. And then he's like, shoot him. And Justin's like, got it. Boom. Yeah. M- Michael's body slumps to the floor. I like it. I think it says, yes, Liao watched Michael's braid slither through Justin's black metal fingers. The chancellor demands that uh, someone please clean up this mess. Yeah. You know, the blood and brains are really messing with the feng shui of the room. Right. This is very expensive decor. All that teak. It's a lot of teak. This really, this whole thing really makes me think, I'd love to see John Malkovich play Maximilian Liao. What? You mean with like the Chinese robes? We got Malkovich with the, in like the... Oh yeah. With like the mustache? With the mustache, like, like full Big Trouble in Little China. Oh no, that's unhinged. Yeah. Because I do feel like Maximilian Liao in his insanity is like menacing, right? And I feel like... John can like both have that like looming madness. He's really the only person I can think of offhand that can really get the range that we'd need out of Maximilian Liao. So that's a free one for you guys, pre remembrance. Yeah, this this is gonna be a spicy hiring hall. <laughs> Being Max Liao. Being yeah. Max Liao. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you miss jump. <laughs> so the chapter ends and the book ends, I guess, with Chancellor Liao asking Justin about his raid on Axton. Right? Please tell me again how it will allow us to destroy Hans Davian and his precious federated sons dude that's it that's warrior repost dude that's warrior repost the ending is not what you expect i think no it's actually i mean it's a shocking ending but a calmer shocking ending yeah as i was saying earlier you don't expect michael to be taken out here you don't think he's gonna go i agree i on my first read through i was like yeah i saw michael making it to the third book yeah And I find it very funny that this book also closes out with a Justin moment where it's like, oh, he's got something going on. Whatever happened on Axton, which Quintus and Hans didn't seem that concerned about. They were like, oh, just some supplies off Axton. But Justin apparently has something here. He learned something, at least. So with also with Michael dead, that means that Morgan will inherit the Capellan March, right? The political implications of this. That's a good question. Uh, let's, uh, Aaron, what do you, th- do you think this whole thing's going to get swept under the, like, how do you think the Davions are going to handle this? Are they going to, you think it's going to be posted all over the news? Like, uh, yeah. Michael Trader. Yeah. I think it really comes down to what mood Max is in to how he wants to, sell this information and really it's it's what plan can justin convince him to use this do you plaster this all over do you, because i feel like it's a double-edged sword whether you say you killed michael in your territory does that give hans the full control of the capellan march does that give him even more units at his disposal now that there's a kind of ship without a rudder left there because if Morgan inherits it too, Morgan's deep in the Hans camp. Do you leave it unsaid? Do you not say anything and let Michael just kind of fade off into the unknown and then leave uncertainty to maybe stir something up there? So to me, I'm thinking that Justin would try to use that in that platform of if it is left unruled for a little bit. Maybe that works better for us. Maybe we get a little chaos there. But each announcement works in both ways for that. Yeah, but Morgan, though. Yeah. Either way, the Michael plots, it's tied up. Yeah, Michael's actions are bigger now that he's dead than anything he ever planned. (laughs) Also, the Michael plot is the thing we ended in this book. A plot we did not finish in this book, if you recall. We haven't heard from the Callahans in some time. Yeah. 
No, I mean, the last thing we know about the Kellhounds is that they raided Ginyosha home planet. So we know that's going to kick off. But I also really like the fact that Stackpole is wrapping these up where we know we've got a third book. We know something else is coming. We don't get an epilogue here. It just ends with this. But as it stands right now, it feels like Hans has everything under control. Like I'd argue that the Maximilian Liel chapter is almost an epilogue in itself. Yeah, it definitely I, I would, feels like an epilogue. The real ending does kind of feel like it's them yoinking up Ridzik. Yeah. Like, which is kind of the cliffhanger. Yeah. But even that still goes into Hans's court. And so this second book ending feels like Hans fighting this war is more of a formality now. It's just like, let's clean up the mess. But knowing that there's a third book means it can't be that simple. Something has to go down. We get a little hint of it that Justin found something on accident. But even at this point, from the way we see everything, it doesn't even feel like that would be enough to overturn the one-sidedness Hans has created in this war. I wish if there was an epilogue, I would wish that it would have been a Comstar epilogue i'd love to see one last check-in one last check-in with comstar how they're feeling about all this now which i think is that little subplot that stackpole leaves in there that comstar is a factor in this war they have their plan for if hans reaches sarna we know factions within comstar are going to be trying to get hans to sarna so Is that something that Hans isn't planning for and can get blindsided by, which turns this entire war, maybe not against him, but out of his favor? Yeah. Because at this point, it is either like Hans pushes through Capellan space and beats the Capellans, or the Capellans find a way to stall him out and force there to be a truce. But we're also having to fight against Max Liao against that plan. So, <laughs> and Romano has been awfully quiet for a little while, for a little while since she got her, uh, screaming at while, while nude. Oh yeah. Even after that, we had Justin trying to get plans pushed yeah. to Max who wasn't listening to it. And it was only Rizik's like emergency DVD that helped break through that barrier of the communication was just flowing from Romano to Liao for war planning. To to sum it up, there's a lot of things still on the table. Oh yeah. Is kind of, I feel like this book has actually been ending for like since the wedding, (laughs) since the wedding, right. It's been kind of like slowly ending. Like it's been like, you know, kind of like, okay, this is where these guys stop. This is where these guys stop. This is where these guys stop. It really feels like, the fourth succession war in the wedding, this is two books in one. And the yeah. wedding's the conclusion of the first part. And once the fourth succession war kicks off, it's the first part in the way Stackpole writes of a new novel where yeah. it's all the setup. It's all this buildup of new plot lines. Because we haven't even talked about, like, we still have Yorinaga and Morgan to square up and to get yeah. even with. So a lot of these big battles that we still haven't heard the conclusion of. (laughs) We haven't seen the last of Yuranaga and Morgan Kell. That's for sure. I can promise you that one. (laughs) Yeah. The Kellhounds pretty much sent him an invitation from Nashira to come visit. That's all I got guys. You know, we've, we've certainly said our piece throughout, but there's really, I I feel like there's really not a lot to tie up at the end here for us. It's a transition, right? This book is kind of liminal. Right, it's the wedding, but it's 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 really these two. It's this connecting framework between the first book in the Warrior trilogy and the third book. Yeah, yeah, a, a ton of explosive moments in it. A ton of totally. Oh, I'm not trying to yeah. undermine it and say that it's like not good. That's not what that. I uh, just yeah. to be clear to anyone listening, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that it's like I mean we've said our piece, and there's really there's stuff to speculate on. Yeah. Nothing really got wrapped up. Right. Yeah. Michael's yeah. life. It's Except for yeah. Michael's life. <laughs> yeah, Michael's arc got wrapped. Yeah, I mean, other than the wedding. The wedding was the one complete arc line that we got from like com- from the first book that's totally done. Yeah. And I feel like that's in a good place to be in between this final chapter and the first chapter of the third book. 
Because there's enough arcs in there to fill out another book. There is no (laughs) doubt that Stackpole isn't going to run out of steam for me uh, halfway through this next book. There's a lot more to cover. And I even think then we'll still have things that aren't finished all the way through. You know, for me, I kind of feel like the first, I feel like Warrior Unguard is kind of like by itself. And then I, I almost feel like... Warrior Repost and Warrior Coupe are kind of like their one book. Yeah. Kind of. I think that this should be a great conversation topic for the remembrance of <laughs> Warrior Repost. That's right, Kanan. And we'll kick that off starting next week with the first part of our remembrance of Warrior Repost. This was another episode of Of Mechs and Men. I am Kanan Hill, and I was joined as usual by my two good friends, Brent and Aaron. We would like to thank the author, Michael A. Stackpole, and of course all the other writers and artists who work so hard to keep Battletech alive. We would like to thank Catalyst Game Labs for being such generous stewards of the property, and we have an email, advice at heat.management. If you have any questions, corrections, suggestions, please add advice at heat dot management we're also on social media twitter instagram at of mechs and men feel free to message us on there as well you can also find us on the valhalla club discord you'll find the link in the description of this episode and you can probably most easily get in touch with us there and on friday nights me and sometimes aaron will uh hang out with the Valhalla Club guys and uh, some of the other podcasters and members of the community and play some MechWarrior online. So come hang out with us and uh, help us lower your pilot score. We will return in the next episode for The Remembrance of Warrior Repost by Michael A. Stackpole. Until then. Till next time. Salah. So